Good morning, everyone. If I can have you open your Bibles to Acts 8. I'm going to have a start at verse 26. And we'll read to verse 28. We're going to cover the end of Acts 8 this morning. Acts 8, 26 through 28 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. One of the themes that I'd like you to uh, see in this section is this. God takes the initiative in salvation. God orchestrates and directs things so that specific people will hear and come to believe the gospel. In, in this case, God had one of his angels tell Philip to go south. A heavenly being was sent to tell Philip which way to go down a road and into the desert. And so the direction and leading from God could not have been clearer. God was arranging something very important. And you know, at first, this really seems counterintuitive because there's a revival that's happening among the Samaritans. Nevertheless, there is an Ethiopian man who has a divine appointment. This one man needs to hear the gospel. So God, through an angel, sends his evangelist, Philip, to meet him. Now let's pray for a moment. God, we do want to uh, thank you for this uh, reminder of your forgiveness in the table, and we want to now ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, teach us through your word. Work powerfully through it, encourage us, and equip us to serve you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, now, Luke tells us quite a bit about this man who has a divine appointment, but I'm just going to mention a few things. Um, first, he was an Ethiopian, and what this means is that he would have been a very dark-skinned man from a region of um, south of Egypt, which is present-day Sudan in Africa. Uh, he was a court official in charge of the queen's treasury, and so he was the finance minister over Ethiopia. He was probably wealthy himself, and this seems to be um, confirmed by the fact that he rode in a chariot and that he also owned uh, a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, which would have been a very expensive purchase. Um, he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and so this means that he was a, a proselyte. He was a Gentile that was converted to Judaism. And so we're supposed to see in this account that the gospel was going far out beyond the city of Jerusalem. It was reaching into new cultures and new people groups. The gospel was reaching people of all classes and colors. Okay, so let's pick up now at verse 29, Acts 8, 29 through 35. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and hearing him reading Isaiah the prophet, he asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? <laughs> and then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Okay, so let's revisit this theme that God, God takes the initiative in our salvation. Earlier, the angel gave Philip 
of the literal direction that he was to go. Now the Spirit gives even more precise guidance and tells him to go up to a specific chariot. Again, this is a matter of divine appointment. This meeting is, is being directed and guided by God himself. So Philip did what the Spirit told him to do, and he ran to the chariot. Once he got close, he heard, he heard the man reading from the book of Isaiah, and Philip asked him if he understood what he was reading, and the man responded, how can I unless someone guides me? I mean, this is a softball presentation of the gospel. It's just being handed to him on a silver platter. And then he invites Philip into the chariot to provide an explanation of the passage. John Stott wrote this. He said, the fact is, God has given us two gifts. First, the scriptures, and secondly, teachers to open up, explain, expound, and apply the scriptures. It is wonderful to note God's providence in the Ethiopian's life, first enabling him to obtain a copy of the Isaiah scroll and then sending Philip to teach him out of it. Well, next, Luke turns our attention to the exact text that the man was reading in Isaiah. He quotes from Isaiah 53, verses 7 through 9. All right, now, as the Ethiopian is reading from this section of the Old Testament, he asks Philip, this question. He says, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? And so Philip was then able to explain how this prophecy pointed, or rather was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. By now it's obvious why the Lord has directed Philip south into this specific chariot. This man needs answers to important spiritual questions. This man needs to have a Christ-centered explanation of the Old Testament so that he can believe and be saved. And, you know, Isaiah 53, and actually a little bit before that, it, it outlines in advance what the Messiah would accomplish. Although he was sinless, he would be rejected and he would be mistreated. He would even be put to death in an act of injustice. He would be murdered and buried. Nevertheless, this was the Lord's will. The suffering Messiah was a part of God's plan. Through his death, the sins of others would be paid for. The, the sins of others would be laid on him, and he would die as a substitute in in their place. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. His blood had to be shed. And not only would he die, but he would rise again and he would see the effects of his work. Many would be justified by trusting in him even from among the nations. And so from the Old Testament, Philip is able to explain the good news about Jesus. Philip was able to give a clear and direct answer to this man's question about the Bible. Isaiah was not writing about himself. He was writing about the saving work of Jesus Christ. Tony Merida gave this uh, piece of practical advice. He said, we need to be prepared spiritually and theologically to do the work God intends us to do. The Ethiopian man needed more than just a friend in his chariot. He needed an encounter with someone who could explain the truth of the gospel with the Spirit's help. To be faithful witnesses, we need the Spirit, and we need a good grasp of God's Word. Okay, I've been um, developing this theme of God taking the initiative in salvation, and I'd like to develop that just a bit more in a second. But for now, I want us to meditate on another theme that we see in this passage, and it's this. The divinely led evangelist. The divinely led evangelist. So God is directing and orchestrating, no doubt. But Philip is also listening and obeying. He's being led by the Spirit. He's following the direction that God is giving him. He, he is responding when God provides him with guidance. God uses Spirit-led people to advance the gospel. As verse 29 put it, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So the Spirit said, 
and Philip ran to obey. Tony Merida wrote this by way of application. I thought this was really good. He said, a missional church is composed of individuals who are led by the Spirit like Philip. The Lord directs us, but we must be willing to obey. Now, some dislike the idea of spirit-leading talk, calling it superstitious or wildly charismatic, and certainly many people exaggerate or even abuse the God-spoke-to-me notion to justify all kinds of wild actions and claims, but I'm not advocating for that kind of thing. Instead, I'm advocating for a vibrant belief in the Spirit's involvement in our everyday lives. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was no flaming charismatic, had this to say on the matter. There is no question but that God's people can look for and expect leadings, guidance, and indications of what they are meant to do. There are many examples of this in Scripture, and I take one at random. You remember the story of Acts 8, 26 and following, of how Philip the evangelist was told by an angel of the Lord, Arise and go to the south into the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is a desert. Then he said this, Now there are leadings such as that. If you read the history of the saints, God's people through the centuries, and especially the history of revivals, you will find that this is something which is perfectly clear and definite. Men have been told by the Holy Spirit to do something. They know it was the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and it transpired that it was obviously his leading. It seems clear to me that if we deny such a possibility, we are guilty of quenching the Spirit. So we should pray for divine opportunities and remain open and sensitive to the Spirit's promptings. And when he speaks, we must act. Personally, um, I desire to grow in this, you guys. This is something that I really want uh, the Lord to continue to develop in me. I, I had a strong sense of the Lord's leading when I moved my family to, to Toronto for theological education and also when he brought us to this church. Uh, the Spirit's given me supernatural insight into things on certain occasions. Um, so I have experienced his leading, but I want to experience that more. I, I don't want to mistake my feelings for the Spirit's leading, not at all. Instead, I want to be sensitive to his hand of providence guiding me in real-life opportunities to, to serve him. All right, let's pick up at verse 36. Acts 8, 36 through 40. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? <laughs> and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, uh, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So the Ethiopian had read and understood the Holy Scriptures. A after Philip answered his questions, he saw how the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. Now he wants to express his faith in Jesus, and the appropriate way to do that is through baptism. So as soon as they came to some water, Philip baptized him. And then after that, Philip was uh, transported, so it seems, to uh, proclaim the gospel in some other area. Let me return one more time to the theme of God's initiative in salvation. Here we see one more way that God was sovereignly directing this whole encounter. To review, Philip was told to go south, and then he was told to go to a specific chariot. And when he got to the chariot, he found that this man just so happened to be reading from Isaiah 53, one of the clearest predictions of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And now, after the gospel was preached, they just so happened to come to a body of water in the desert. At the right moment, they come to that which is most scarce in the desert, 
every detail was arranged by God's hand. MacArthur explained it this way. This was no mere chance encounter and certainly not the result of human ingenuity. Apart from the Spirit's orchestration of events, it would have never taken place at all. That emphasizes, again, the sovereign work of the Spirit in salvation. Every single person who's been saved has been saved by divine orchestration. God directed our lives so that we would hear and believe the gospel. Let's make sure to give him all the glory for every part of our salvation. He chose us. He sent Jesus to do everything that was necessary to save us. And in the course of our life, the Spirit perfectly arranged things so that we would receive the good news and be saved. We have so much to be thankful for. Amen.